Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor Study. Today's show is going to be a little bit different. We're going to take the whole half hour and we're going to talk about being single, married, divorced, and how all of these things affect us in our Christian walk and our Christian life. So I guess my first question for you, Pastor Brock, today is, is there anything in the Bible that says a Christian can't marry someone of another faith? I think a Baptist can marry a Lutheran, but can a Baptist or a Lutheran marry a Hindu or an unbeliever or a Muslim? The answer is no. And I get this from 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18, where Paul says, do not be mismated with unbelievers. And in 1 Corinthians 7, 39, Paul says to widows, you are free to remarry as a widow, but only in the Lord. In other, needs, in other words, if you're a believer, you marry a believer. But you know, Pastor Brock, you said it's okay for like a Baptist to marry a Methodist or uh -huh. things like that. But don't you think that can present problems if they don't agree to go to one church together? I think so. I mean, I think it's... Pro I was raised in a house where Dad went to Catholic Church every Sunday, and the whole family went to Lutheran Church every Sunday. And it caused... I don't think it caused friction, but it caused us not to talk about God when we came home. And that was too bad. That was too bad. So, you know, I, I think uh, it's best if you can agree on the same church. I also remember when we were first married, my husband was Presbyterian and had a very active church life with his church, and mm -hmm. I was Lutheran and had a lot of active church life. Well, the big question became, whose church are we going to? Yeah. It wasn't our church, it was whose church? Yeah, that's right. And that's something people <laughs> have to think about. You want to you go to a church that really preaches the Bible. There are good Lutheran churches, there are bad Lutheran churches. There are good Presbyterian churches, there are bad Presbyterian churches. You want a church that upholds the scripture, and sadly, some of these denominations have become so worldly and liberal that they don't follow scripture anymore. Okay, talking about marriage. If somebody prays about it and it seems right, is it okay for them to marry an unbeliever? Uh, the answer is no. And Jackie, I, I can tell you of people that have a, an, a heartbreak for f 50 years of their marriage because they married, they were a Christian and they married an unbeliever and they're grieved by their spouse for the next 50 years. And here's the deal. And I've heard this, you know, I know the Bible says I shouldn't marry my unbelieving boyfriend, but I prayed about it and it feels right. And I feel he'll become a Christian after we get married. Well, your feelings are not your final authority. The written word of God is your final authority. And if, you're, if the Bible contradicts your feelings, your feelings lose and the Bible wins. And the Bible says, again, I'll give it to you, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18, 1 Corinthians 7, 39 says, if you're a believer, you marry a believer. Well, then I'll be single the rest of my life. Well, you don't know that. God might bring a Christian person into your life. And, and if he doesn't, there's nothing wrong with being single. So what is a Christian, should you say to somebody who says, well, I think I can get that person 
to change after once we're married. I, I'll, I'll say you don't know that. And Jackie, I'm sure you and I know people that thought that and it never happened. But even if it does happen, sometimes it does, we're commanded in Scripture to marry a believer. So you don't do it in disobedience like that. Okay. What does the Bible say about interracial marriage? And you know, Jackie, it used to be uh, for a black person to marry a white person in a lot of the U.S. states that was illegal. Uh, is there anything in the Bible that says a, a, a Chinese person with yellow skin shouldn't marry someone from America with whiter skin or a black person marrying a white person? The Bible never says any of that. So I don't think anything's wrong with uh, interracial marriage because you've you got to find me the verse. I know of no verse in Scripture that says that's wrong. So I think it's okay. God created Christians in ev every race, didn't he? Yes, he, he did. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess that's one way of looking at it, too. Yeah. So when the person says they're divorced and their friends tell them that they can remarry and other friends say they shouldn't, what does the Bible teach? Right, probably many people watching the show have been divorced. Am I free as a divorced person to find a new spouse and marry a new person? And let me quickly give you the three views that pastors have on this. Uh, one view is very liberal and says, uh, God is a forgiving God. If you got divorced, of course you're free to remarry. God doesn't hold anything against you. You can remarry three or four or five times. Uh, God is a forgiving God. Doesn't that take away from the fact of what marriage is? It does, which is a lifelong commitment. The second way uh, you can get a pastor to, uh, that has the second view, which is um, Jesus says in Matthew 19, if you get divorced and remarried except for adultery, uh, you're committing adultery. And then Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 talks about desertion and that the brother or sister is not bound. So some pastors, and I respect this view, it's not mine, but they're trying to be biblical. They will say you cannot get divorced and remarried unless the first the divorce was because of adultery or desertion. Uh, that is um, a, a very common view. I used to hold to that view, Jackie. But having re-looked at the scriptures, Jesus says if you get divorced and marry another, you're committing adultery. And 1 Corinthians 7 Paul says the brother or sister is not bound. I don't think that means is not, I think that means is not bound to stay in that marriage and try to make it work. I do think Paul allows the believer to leave an unbeliever who refuses to live with him or her. It never says, but then go out and find somebody new. It in fact, he says in 1 Corinthians 7, I say that the, uh, that the divorced uh, should either reconcile with their original spouse or remain single. He doesn't add, or, or three, get married to a new person. So I, I'm kind of more conservative on this. If somebody comes to me and wants to, and they're divorced and they want to get married to somebody new, if their original spouse has died, I can remarry them to somebody because the Bible talks about that. But if their original spouse is married and even remarried, so there's no chance of re reconciliation, I still, I, everybody read 1 Corinthians 7 and Matthew chapter 19. Jesus and Paul on, on divorce and remarriage, it's kind of heavy duty. Okay, you kind of went into what I was just going to ask you, so I just want to clarify it. So you're saying if my husband divorced me and married somebody else, I'm not free to marry? I don't think you are. Okay, until, that's... Until Fred dies. And, and some people think, well, that's so horrible. No, it isn't. 
you can have a wonderful life being single. Jesus was single. The Apostle Paul was single. And for Jackie, for 2,000 years, millions of Christians have lived fulfilled lives being single. Paul even says in 1 Corinthians 7, if you can handle it, it's preferable to be single because you have more time and energy to serve the Lord. So, Okay, if a person gets divorced and remarried and then realizes that it was the wrong thing to do, should they stay in that new marriage? All right. I just taught that I won't marry you to a new person if you're divorced. But let's say you go ahead and do it anyway, and then you realize later, you know, I, sh I should have stayed single being a divorced person from 1 Corinthians 7, Matthew 19. Should I divorce now the person I shouldn't have married? And Jackie, I I'm doing the best I can on this. Some of this is hard to sort out. In 1 Corinthians 6 says, don't be deceived, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. <clears throat> Neither the immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, etc., will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but you were washed, sanctified, justified in Jesus and in the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying some of you were adulterers, but you came to Christ and you were washed from that. And I do believe Jesus said if you divorce somebody and marry another, you are committing adultery. So let's say you've done that. Well, such were some of you. That was wrong to do. You need to repent and ask God's for forgiveness. My understanding is, and stay in the new marriage and try to make it work. That's my understanding. Can I tell you about my grandpa? <laughs> I didn't know this until I was older. We're not sure grandpa didn't have two wives at the same time. He had a, a wife in Colorado and one in Nebraska. <clears throat> We're not sure he divorced the first one before he married the second one. But finally he did divorce the second one. Well, my grandma, the second one, um, my dad almost died of scarlet fever when he was 13. And so the whole family, grandma, and there were like nine kids in my dad's family. Her, my grandpa never went to church. A technical Methodist, but not really. Grandma uh, was Catholic, and when Dad almost died at age 12 or whatever it was, she wanted the whole family to be baptized. But the Catholic priest told her, you have to not let your husband have sexual relations with you because he was divorced and you married him. And I still think that is technically the teaching of the Catholic Church. If you get divorced and remarried, you should live as brother and sister uh, after that point because you violated what Christ said about divorce and remarriage. According to my Aunt Mary, that's what they did. <laughs> so I don't know, the grandpa was real thrilled about it, but by then they were pretty old. So there you go. If you get divorced... And my point, I'm sorry. My point is, uh, this is a hard one. And I, I would counsel people to stay in that marriage, ask for forgiveness, and, and try to glorify God in that marriage. Catholic Church has a different view, and... I'm not totally sure how all of this settles out. Okay, I've got, I'm going to twist this a little bit further. So if you get divorced and you remarry, is it ever right to go back to your original spouse? All right, good question. All right, and I know a pastor who did this. There was a, a, a man and his wife that were married. They got divorced. She married somebody else. She got divorced from that. And this pastor remarried her to his, her original spouse. And this pastor thought that was a good thing. Jackie, it's not. And, and for this, we go to Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 1 through 4, where the Bible teaches if you're divorced and you marry somebody new, you get divorced again, you can't go back to your uh, original spouse. It's called an abomination. So I wouldn't do it. Why is it an abomination if it was who you originally were with? And, 
I yeah. mean, in the case of like, say, yeah. if that woman married somebody else and he died, and her husband is still, still alive. There. I think it's because for you to have a lifelong commitment with one person, divorce him, get a lifelong commitment with another person, divorce him, and then go back to the original one, it's just too much rebellion. And I think at that point, God says, just be single. You can have a great life being a single person. Yeah. So if you've got a question about this one, send it to Tom. <laughs> Not the <Okay>. judge. <laughs> Why are Catholic priests required to be single? Mm -hmm. uh, in the Catholic Church, and this didn't happen until, oh, what was the year? For, the, for hundreds of years, Catholic priests could get married. Then it became an official uh, teaching that you needed to be single and celibate to be a Catholic priest. Can I interrupt there? Yes. Didn't priests and nuns actually marry each other originally in the Roman Catholic Church? Uh, no. Here's nope? what happened. Okay. In the, uh, originally, priests and sisters, you know, you could be married and, and be a priest. Then the celibacy rule came in, and there was a lot of immorality among priests, nuns, others. Not nuns, just anybody. And Martin Luther in the 1500s, who was a monk, and uh, saw all the immorality. And Martin Luther said, look, there's nothing in the Bible that says you have to be single to be a priest. Paul says, don't we have the right to, to carry along uh, a, a believing wife like Peter and the rest of the apostles? So Peter and the apostles were married. And, and so uh, Martin Luther said, because of the immorality, it never says you have to be single to be a priest. Let the monks and let the nuns marry. And in the Reformation, not under the Catholic Church, but under the Reformation churches, that was done. Okay, are there any other denominations where their leaders or church priests or yeah. whatever can't marry? I think it's just the Catholic Church. However, in the Orthodox Church, I believe uh, you can be married and everything, but if your wife dies, they want you to be single at the, after that point. But overwhelmingly, all the denominations other than Catholic allow marriage. Okay, so if someone thinks God wants them to be single, should they then have to take a vow of celibacy? You know, I've heard of, and the vow of celibacy is what a Catholic priest takes, saying, I'm going to be sing, uh, single and celibate the rest of my life. You know, I, I, I have heard of people, and I think they were Protestants, who said, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just commit myself to singleness the rest of my life. I wouldn't do that. And Jackie, I've been single my whole life, but I'm not going to say to God, I'm going to be single the rest of my life, because I don't know that that's what God wants. You never know when he wants you to get married. So, and, and so let's say you have made a vow of celibacy. Well, Luther's point was, sometimes we take vows that God does not want us to keep. I mean, Jackie, if you make a vow, I'm going to steal, uh, I'm going to rob a bank tomorrow, God. That's not a vow God wants you to keep. If you make a vow that was an evil vow, don't keep that vow. So that's why Luther let the monks and nuns marry. Okay. So, Pastor Brock, are there, according to the Bible, mm -hmm. let's go, are there advantages to being single? Yeah, if you, you know, the, again, the chapter people want to read, if you're single, married, divorced, widowed, two chapters. Matthew chapter 19, and then very much for this question, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And Paul says, if you can handle being single, it's better to stay single. You'll have more time and energy to serve the Lord. The married person is, considered, is concerned about pleasing their spouse, the unmarried about the Lord. Can a person know if God is calling them to be single? Uh, yes. You know, I think 
um, but again, I don't think the knowledge is so super duper clear that I'm going to make a vow. <laughs> okay. Jesus says, you know, Jesus says make no vow at all. So I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that route. But it's not. In, it, we're to be content in whatever state we're in, but then leave the future to God. But wouldn't you almost want to argue that God intended for man? And women to be together. He that, did, and, and, and that that was yeah. his natural I, intent. I, I'm glad that, you're bringing that up. So how can you o say he would be calling someone to stay single? Right, because and overwhelmingly, Jackie, you're right. Look at the history of mankind. Look at the Bible. God makes a male and female in the garden. It's not good that the man should be alone. And overwhelmingly, that's true. But Paul talks about there are exceptions. There are some people that God wants to be alone because of of the way He's made them and the way he's called them to serve them in ministry or just serve them as a single Christian. So both are true, I think. Okay, this is probably pushing the button a little bit, but if you're a Christian and your husband isn't saved mm -hmm. or your wife isn't, mm -hmm. go either way, and they want nothing to do with like your Christian friends or your church or anything, should you stay married to a person like that? Again, this would come from 1 Corinthians 7, Paul says, if the unbeliever will stay, let him stay. But if the unbeliever leaves, the brother or sister is not bound. So I think, Jackie, if somebody's watching this and your spouse is an unbeliever, hates your Christian faith, but he still allows the marriage, still wants to live with you, uh, you don't divorce them. Because Paul's basic point was, how, how will you know that you won't win your spouse to the Lord? And you do it by quiet, reverent behavior, not by nagging. So. Uh, Paul says, if the unbeliever will stay, let them stay. So you don't divorce someone because they're an unbeliever unless they insist and they do the divorce. Okay, people always bring up the verse, wives submit to your husbands. Yeah. Is yeah. that always true? You know, it's true, Jackie, and I'll tell you my belief on this. Some people try to get around that verse and say, well, Paul was just talking to women back in the first century. Well, it never says that. The way God made male and female <clears throat> were equal, but were different. And the way marriage works best is the man would be the leader, the wife submits to the husband. Actually, the husband has the harder point, because the New Testament says, wives, uh, husbands, love your wives and give yourself up for your wife like Christ did for the church. In other words, the husband's job is pretty hard. He has to sacrifice himself for the sake of his wife. But the wife's job is hard, too. She needs to submit to the husband. And that's still true. It, it, there's no caveat that this is only true in the first century. It, it's true for uh, until the second coming. But does the wife always submit to the husband? What do you think? I think it would be hard at times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Especially, I heard of this case, here's a husband who wants to have his wife have sex with other men so he can watch. Does she submit to that? I couldn't. No because thou shalt not commit adultery. So if, I mean, overwhelmingly wives are, sub, are to submit themselves to their husbands. If the husband is asking his wife to sin, you say no. This is just like uh, Acts chapter 4. Christians are supposed to submit to the government. And so the government is telling uh, Peter and, and John, you can't preach the gospel. And, and, and uh, John, Peter says, we must obey God rather than men. He was willing to buck the government on that. And now and then, you have to buck your, your spouse if they're trying to get you to sin. Okay, big issue today, and I guess as long as we're talking single mm -hmm. versus married, what about homosexual marriage? In the Bible, there's no such thing. Marriage is always one man, one woman in the Bible. 
it's not, now and then you get polygamy in the Bible, and it never says in the Bible polygamy is a good thing. In fact, uh, Jesus talks about the ideal in, in Matthew 19 again, being one man, one woman in the garden. That's the way God made us. Not Adam and five women. He made Adam and Eve, one woman. Can I interrupt when you yeah. talked about polygamy? Yeah. Does the Bible forbid polygamy? It, here's what it does. If you want to be an elder in the church, you have to have one wife, husband of one wife only. So that's the ideal. Uh, Jesus in Matthew 19 talked about one man, one woman, that that's the way God created us. Polygamy happens in the Bible. It never says it's a good thing. There's never a clear outlaw of it. So David has a number of wives and Solomon had lots of wives, but it never says it's a good thing and it's never the ideal. And if you read the Bible on it, polygamous marriages have all kinds of fighting between Leah and Rachel and just, you know, it gets weird. So, but they are in the Bible. Though. They are. And so yeah. the person that has the argument for it uses yeah. that. Well, they could, but just because something is in the Bible doesn't mean it's a good thing. You've got murder in the Bible. You've got all kinds of things in the Bible that are not good. Um, so I, I would just argue from the ideal that Christ puts forward for marriage, polygamy is out. Okay, let's go back to homosexual yeah. now. Did yeah. Jesus say anything about marriage between homosexuals? You, you, you get this all the time. Well, Jesus never said anything about homosexuality, to which I say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Matthew 19, Jesus said marriage is one man, one woman. He never said it's two men. And Jackie, the other thing you got to say, Jesus never said anything about bestiality, never said anything about incest, never said anything about rape. That doesn't mean he's in favor of those things. Jesus was a Jew who upheld the Old Testament. The Old Testament was against all those things. So, Pastor Brock, we have several states and countries that are now changing their views or lobbying to have homosexual marriage yeah. in that. What, what do you say to those states? Or uh, you know, what I would say, and it's not, it's not just, it, for me and you, it's a God thing. God's word is clear, marriage is a man and a woman. But Jackie, you don't have to be a Christian. You don't even have to believe in God to know that marriage is a man and a woman. Atheist China does not have gay marriage, and they don't believe in God. You know, Soviet Russia, when it was atheist, didn't have gay marriage. And the reason we're against it is because the way God made us, it takes a man and a woman to create a baby. It doesn't take two women to create a baby. You need a man and a woman to, to create a baby. Does it not then follow that the best way to raise children is in a home with a mother and a father? And again, you don't even have to believe in God to see the sense of that. But sadly, uh, strange things are overtaking our culture. I think it's demonic. Okay, Pastor Brock, um, our society, though, punishes people that try to follow the scripture in some ways. Um, an example, a widow that's not married any longer and has met this person, and she's on Social Security, and if they get married, she's going to lose some benefits that she's getting and things yeah. like that. What do you say to that person? Yeah. A concrete example. I know someone whose father married a, a woman, uh, excuse me, didn't marry a woman because they would have lost some benefits. So they go to their Lutheran pastor, God forgive him, and said, can we just have a ceremony? It won't be legal. It won't be before the government. Just between her and I and God, we're going to be married. The pastor said, okay, and he did the ceremony. I think that's defrauding the government. 
you're saying you're married, but you're not married, but you really are, if that's what you think. I wouldn't play that game with God. Fornicators do not go to heaven. 1 Corinthians 6. Well, it's not fornication because we had a priest say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're defrauding the government then. And, and let's try to get some of these laws changed. That's, that's a good route. But I couldn't do that wedding. So why do you think the divorce rate has skyrocketed so in the United States? Yeah. And probably worldwide, we could even yes, say. Yes, Because countries that never allowed divorce, you're hearing of right. divorce. But it is true, Jackie. America, Christian America, if you want to call it that, has one of the highest divorce rates in the world. Most countries don't come close to our divorce rate. Part of the problem is no-fault divorce. When no-fault divorce went through, where it doesn't matter you know, who's right, who's wrong, we're just going that is when abor uh, a divorce excuse me, started to skyrocket. I'd say the other reason a, a divorce has skyrocketed is we're not a, a nation that is following God anymore. And when, you, when you've got nine states, and we may be 10th in Minnesota by the time people see this TV show, when you've got nine states in the United States that have homosexual marriage, and we have a, you know, America is the biggest producer of pornography worldwide. It comes out of Southern California. We pollute the planet with our pornography. Our nation has turned its back on God. And then some tragedy happens, and, some, and people have the nerve to say, well, where was God? <laughs> well, we kicked him out of our school. What do you, what do you expect? Them to, you know? So, yeah, it's a, it's a God thing. Pastor Brock, I just would like to go one more question with you here, though, mm -hmm. because it seems like the churches today are centering in on ministering to families. Yeah. Everything is family orientated. Yeah. yeah. So I guess what would your advice be to the church to better minister to people who are single, mm -hmm. widowed, divorced, yeah. um, that don't have that family sure. relationship? And you know, Jackie, I'm single, have been my whole life. I'm, I'm not closing the door to marriage, but it hasn't happened yet. We'll see. Sometimes I can go to a new church, and it's so family-centered. Part of me, though, is glad about that because that's the way God has made most people. You're, you know, it, so I'm not offended by it, but sometimes you can feel kind of lonely with here's all these programs for the families, and how about me, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's great if a church has a singles group. It's great if a church has a widow's group because there's so many widows because men die early. <laughs> so it's great, you know, the, to, to have a church that has a women's fellowship, a, a widower's fellowship, a single group. It, it, and it's great when, when, married, uh, when families have single people over for dinner after church, that kind of thing. So that, it, it's, it's wonderful. Okay, well, I know this has been a different program for you, and you may not agree with everything we've talked about, but that's the one great thing is that God allows us to talk about and these issues. And read the Bible on our own. And if we read the Bible, we have to bow to what it says. Yeah. Yeah. So at the end of the program, we're going to show our website. Please check us out. If you've got friends that don't get to see our show, you can send them to that website and you can have them watch our shows. Thanks for being with us. We pray that God would be with you this week, granting you his richest blessings until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.